I'm Leon Grotsky de Barrera. I'm Robbie Roberts. And you're listening to Toro Town Talks. Welcome to part two of my interview with Robbie Roberts from Joe Van Gogh and Leon Grotsky de Barrera from Coco Cinnamon. In this second part, Leon and Robbie share their perspectives on a variety of topics, such as the so-called third wave of coffee, the important inspiration from Italian espresso culture, single-origin coffee versus blends, and what Robbie describes as the macho approach to espresso. They also share their impressions on each other's businesses while revealing their most favorite coffee shops in all of America. To kick things off, here's a question with an answer that reveals a lot about what Leon and Robbie are trying to accomplish with their coffee houses. Tell me how you really feel about people who come into one of your coffee shops and they plop down uh, with their laptop for four hours and they spend maybe five to ten bucks while they're there. How do you feel about that? I feel fine. That's marketing. I mean, that's, you know, there's going to be a lot of people coming and going at the same time they're there showing that something's going on there. You look in the window, there's somebody there. That's good. But early on, they right. they sat around and talked more and they read more, obviously, and they smoked more. Right. Um, now they get to hide inside their electronics like we all do. They get to disappear. So if anything, coffee houses remain a place for sociability, for a social life. And people need that. They don't know how to do it as much anymore. They want to be around people, but then they still jump into their phone, but they need it. How about you, Leon? If you notice someone at your one of your locations and he or she has been there for hours and hours, and you're like, for me, I kind of would back out of that question and think, what are our goals with our shops? You know, what are we, what are we trying to accomplish? And I feel like there are many, there are and should be many, many kinds of activities that happen at the shops, including working, including socializing. Um, including having that random experience where you run into somebody that you know and maybe wouldn't have seen them otherwise, or, you know, the shops being catalysts, even if we're not defining what they're catalyzing, but that there's spaces in which that can happen is important. Oh, yeah. I think people working on their computer, we have people write novels in our shops. Yeah. We have... They used to do it longhand, now they do it on a computer, no big deal. I want to make sure that there's space for all of those things, and that, I think, is the challenge. How do you do that? So it's all, uh, I don't really mean to stir up anything, but I'm still curious if, because uh, uh, it's all very inclusive, if there are any kind of customers you are not uh, particularly fond of. Public will always present you with challenges. Yeah. Well, you just don't know where it's going to come from. <laughs> no, it wouldn't be specific people. There will be people who are having a bad day and they try to take it out on another customer or somebody on the staff and sometimes have to step in and help them be somewhere else at the time. <laughs> Is that a frequent occurrence? No, but, but it makes it, it makes an impression on whoever's working at the time. And so they're always scared that it's going to happen. Oh yeah. How about for, for you guys? I mean, we aim and work and I think it's a challenge in particularly in the current coffee industry of being as invitational as we can be. I want to invite in as wide a range as possible. And so we've worked hard to do that. And at the same time, you know, our shops are quirky and they, you know, like, would my brother-in-law come in if he wasn't related to me? Probably not. It's probably not his style. If he wants to, I want him to, though, and I want to create every possibility for him to do so. What does he do since you think he might not want to go? Well, it's just, you know, for him, it's more of like, I'm going to grab a beer. Like his coffee house is socializing over a beer. 
I'm here to invite people who are interested in being in a coffee house. Yeah, okay. You know, and ideally turning as many people in the world onto it as possible. So there's a lot of talk, uh, at least among some uh, coffee enthusiasts, about the whole first, second, and third wave uh, of coffee brewing and everything. How much does that play into the self-perception that, that you have as coffee shop owners? I know that you mentioned it on your website, that you un underline that you're a third wave. Uh, well, we mentioned that we value some of the things that were third wave claims. I kind of like to step out of stuff and say, what, do, what are we about and what do we, what do we care about? And then how does what's out there um, support that? And so if you were to think about some of the positive attributes of third waves, you know, really um, focusing on what a single origin might taste like all the way down to where does that come from, how it's grown, from whom it comes. Those are really positive things. Um, I think, you know, paying attention to extraction, weights, measures, times, temperatures, and methods is really important. You know, third wave, I think, values that. Gosh, I hate to say something negative about myself, but I would say some third wave, like, purists might say, well, you can't do that. And I don't, I don't agree with that, number one. Number two, and this is somewhere I think we probably overlap quite a bit, is you think, well, what is espresso? And remember when, and it was probably around 2007, 2008, people started really talking about single origin espressos. And a lot of the old school Italians, like, that's not espresso. Like, I think the grandson of Italy was like, you can find an article, he was like, that's nonsense. I think this comes down to tasting experiences and this relates back to like, well, how do we brew coffee? It's like, well, what creates pleasure in a coffee tasting experience? And then that defining maybe how you approach what you do. So I was very much informed by the Italian espresso culture <laughs> when I started and I still appreciate it quite a bit. I'm think that, uh, that approach to that moment of pleasure that Italian espresso still is. I was in Italy last year, again, after not being there for a while, and I still enjoy it very much. The method of brewing espresso, which is truly just a brewing method, uh, lends itself to blends, in my opinion, more than to single origins. I was fooling around with single origin espresso 15 years ago, but always as an Americana, because it was a way to extract from the coffee what it had, but to temper it by adding water because Whenever I go to blend espresso, I am blending away from jarring taste. There can be things that are really great about a coffee that you, you just can't tolerate as an espresso. You can't tolerate it at that concentration level. It, it, it makes you like shiver. Right. And the thing I've always kind of found disturbing, maybe disturbing is not the right word, but there's, there's kind of a macho idea That Americans bring to espresso that if it's distasteful, it's good. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Right. So, so I still tend to, to the idea that most really good espresso is a blend. Yeah. Okay. And you're blending towards a total experience that you're looking for a coffee that doesn't have any of those jump at you negatives, and then you find positive that you can blend on top of it. Oh yeah. And then sometimes you'll find a single origin that's lovely, but you can't do that all day, every day. It's no. not going to blend with milk and you're not going to have that many people who are going to appreciate, say, a natural Ethiopian presented as an espresso. And we have people that work for us now that really work hard at how they're going to present single origin espressos. Oh, yeah. Um, um, and, and I really appreciate it. But 
you can't make a living serving single origin espressos. There's just not that many people interested. No, okay. They're they're interested in the milk that goes into the espresso. Yeah. So you started before everyone, uh, or you started your business before everyone started talking about third wave coffee and everything. Uh, to what degree have you uh, like felt the need to familiarize yourself with that whole lingo? Oh, we keep up. I'd say we're we're we're, we're completely capable. I, but I've never left behind uh, a medium roast. The 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 balance that comes from the sort of coffees that will present well as espresso, but also will present well at breakfast and will present well to people who literally just want a cup of coffee, um, which is most people um, in my experience. Yeah. Uh, and so I want it to be a, a balanced experience. And then for the people who have more curiosity, we also have that too. We have some really nice washed and natural Ethiopians and we have Burundi right now. We, We're, we're trying to span the waves. We're, we're riding all the waves. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so I know that you guys are on, on, on great and friendly terms and everything with each other. So I'm not trying to pitch you as, as you know, aggressive competitors or anything. But you are, in the pure sense of the word, you are competitors because the people of Durham can only go to at least one coffee shop at a time. Uh, I know a lot of people probably frequent both, but I do have a few questions uh, to both of you uh, about each other and each other's businesses. And we'll see how that goes. So first, uh, I do uh, uh, remember the very first visit you had to Coco Cinnamon after it opened. I don't, I, but I like it. You know, I, <laughs> the thing I most like is just hanging out with Leon and really, like you said, I, there are plenty of mornings where I get up and go have coffee at one of our places. You mm -hmm. spend so much time. I spend so much time in my own places. I don't go hang out at other people's coffee places that much. Uh, I, I'm ready to go do something else when, when my day ends. Oh yeah. But I like the presentation. Oh yeah. I really like the churros, but, <laughs> but, but I need to stay away from it. Oh yeah. <laughs> but do you remember when, when Coca Cinnamon first started, what your impression of it was? Well, I, I really thought that the location they got over there, on Gear Street was fabulous. Oh, yeah. I didn't know if you could make it work in that small space. No. But it was fabulous. At the time, I was looking for another place to roast coffee, and I was looking at some of those buildings over there. It didn't work out. No. But I was worried about that. Like, what would that mean? Oh, yeah. Um, for us and for them. Yeah. If, if we were to do that. How about you? How how much did you frequent Joe Van Gogh before you started up yourself? Um, I had been in Joe Van Gogh while before we even moved here. Mm -hmm. So I was already, in that sense, a customer. I think there's like two parts to it, which you think about kind of like anything. You do something because you really love it. Like in other words, you really love coffee and you really engage with coffee. And then you open a shop and you kind of lose a little something in the terms of being able to experience it like somebody who doesn't work with right. it. And so the thing that I love about being able to, on occasion, visit Rob, Robbie shops is, and sometimes it's actually a little easier out of town because the other thing is, If customers know who you are, they'll you don't Look have Chuck, what are you doing here? You don't have the, you don't have the same ability to relax, um, which is actually have that experience that you love that leads you to be in the coffee business. Oh yeah. Um, I can say I believe even us becoming kind of closer and us having spent time with Robbie in his roasting operation in particular um, allows more collegiality where his team, you know, we try to be respectful of you know, those are Robbie's employees, but at the same time, those folks are really kind to us, which then makes us feel quite invited I, to I, I have a lot of employees that like to come hang out. 
because mm-hmm. they do get a chance to get away because they don't have to approach it from the same point yeah. of view. Right. So I think, which yeah. is great. Oh yeah. And I think that's important, you know, and again, with our relationship, I feel really at home being able to visit. And then also some, some weird ways as a business owner, you become a little bit of a public figure. And really, if you're visiting somebody else's shop, it's really just to chill and to like be able to enjoy it in the way that you can on your own. So you try to capture that a little bit. Oh yeah. So when you started, I'm curious if you saw anything in Joe Van Gogh that made you think, I want to do something different, which you then pursued to do. Well, I mean, I think this is a bigger question that is a concern for our city in general, which is, you know, the question of how many of something can the city withstand and it still be useful. I'm not in love with the idea of somebody saying, oh, I really love what you did, so I'm going to open up next door. No, right. Whereas I think our city is, we're about at 260,000 people now which means there's a lot of opportunity. I think how you situate within that opportunity is a question of smartness and success. I have no desire to open stores. They just happen. <laughs> <laughs> there is no desire to have another store. And yet if the right neighborhood comes along, somebody says, the store that's near, near Leon's newest store, I, that was just like the landlord called and said, I want somebody to put coffee in a half of this. I'm like, <laughs> I can't not. It's too, it's too interesting. Yeah. It's just, it it could really work. Yeah. And these people may want coffee, but I really want to be in a place where it seems like the neighborhood needs a place. I I don't need to duplicate if they already have a place. And there's a difference. There's a difference between a mile and and across the street though. Yeah. You know, in terms of I'm actively like, I, I, all I'm saying is that, you know, all this stuff sounds easy. You take a tremendous risk doing anything you do. And as a person doing something new near something that's more established, I don't know if that's the smartest business move. Whereas there are places in town that there is need. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? And I, I would think if I were, cause I'm not, I'm not <laughs> going to do anything either, but, um, <laughs> but it could happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. Well, that's, that's a question of entrepreneurship is how do you, how do you stay with the trends? How do you be what you are? And how do you diversify risk? And, you know, some of the stuff is just business. Oh, yeah. So out of all the Joe Van Gogh locations, which one is your favorite, Liam? Well, I would speak specific. I mean, in some sense, the Broad Street is, the, is, a, is a, in a way a classic, you know. And then the other thing, I'm, I've had really – I've been in the uh, – Chuck Durham at Woodcroft and gotten your uh, your pour overs of the Geshes during the holidays. So I've, and I don't have those, so that's always been a nice experience for me. (laughs) (laughs) So those have been special moments and experiences. Oh, yeah. How how about you, uh, Robbie? Which Coca Cinnamon location is your favorite? I'm like the new shiny, new shiny object type towards those so the new one with the churros right now but I'll always like the former gas station oh yeah so to what, to what extent are you keeping taps on what each other are doing are you proactively trying to pick up new ideas both in terms of what uh, drinks are being served and the architecture and the events and the art on the walls and all these things is that playing into it or are you just going with the flow you know some of this is we have overlap, but we're also ourselves. I'm looking at all of the coffee world. If I see something interesting, I may see if it's something that will work for us, but I'm certainly yeah. not trying to steal any thunder from anybody. No. 
The other thing is, if you're doing something true, you're going to do it in a way that only yeah. you do it. I agree with that. And I, we've always done that. I'm, I'm really just looking for what what we can do better for our customers and our employees, hopefully both at the same time. You know, like what will make this a better business so that the employees are happy to be here serving the customers who are happy to be here because they're being served so well. It's a constant circle yeah. to itself. Oh, yeah. And it's a kind of ongoing challenge. It's hard. It's hard work. Last question, and you'll both be off the hook. The one coffee shop in America that's outside of Joe Van Gogh and Coca Cinnamon that you would recommend anyone to to travel any amount of miles to go visit, which one would that be? I will say that the first time I went to the Blue Bottle in San Francisco, first time because of the kind of cheap industrial aesthetic and the uh, vacuum coffee was like, this is great. The fact that they've taken this little space and really created a community because it's not a, it's not a residential community and yet mm. people were just pouring in there. I loved it. Cool. How about you, Leanne? I mean, I have an answer, but in a way there's a lot of answers. <laughs> Almost <laughs> every city has an answer. Oh, sure. You find when you find them. Oh yeah. Um, gosh, and my answer is such an expected one. Let's um, hear it. I was recently at GMB in Los Angeles and they're quite notable. Like, you know, you do want to be up on trends and be aware of what people are doing. And you also don't want to be subject to like shiny penny stuff. You know, you want to be like, what matters? How does it affect our service, our atmosphere and our quality? And um, so one notable example that a lot of, I think people pay attention to in coffee is a place called GMB in Los Angeles. I think they have three or four shops, but GMB is in the Grand Central Market. And I, I've had the chance to hear the Glanville and Babinski speak before and they're eloquent, they're smart. They test like crazy. They make it sound really easy. And you're like, wow. Anyway, I went there and it was better. It was better than they said. And I, I really, and it was better, not in a way that was about being fancy or being too trendy. It was like, they spend a lot of time thinking through their processes. They don't accept what somebody says is true because they said it was true. They test it themselves and they make their own decisions and they share them. They are in an amazing spot. So they have a ridiculous volume where you can test how to make something work like a World Cup sports team level. And that was all true. And yet when I walk up to the bar, I got treated kindly. I was helped promptly and my drink was good in a way that wasn't about fancy. It was about delicious. I give that a lot of credit. That concludes the end of my interview with Robbie and Leon, and I'd like to extend my gratitude to them for sitting down with me and partaking. I also want to thank Jason Lytle from Granddaddy, who kindly provided the theme tune for Tower Town Talks, and not least, you for listening. If you don't want to miss out on any future episodes of Tower Town Talks, make sure you hit the subscribe button. Thank you.